and welcome to the Point of Care Ultrasound Certification Academy podcast, where we focus on POCUS. Here, we will discuss all things related to Point of Care Ultrasound, the practice, the trends, and its impact on healthcare. Our program will engage thought leaders who are defining global patient care with the stethoscope of the future. Hello, James Day here today recording live from the Focus on Pocus studios here in the fall vibes where it's always sunny in Philadelphia here on the East Coast. So today we have someone from the West Coast and we have Dr. Chris Covert-Bolds as our guest. And uh, Dr. Covert-Bolds here is a family doctor at Kaiser Permanente Northgate Medical Center in Seattle. He's doing ultrasound for soft tissue diagnosis and treatment and joint and bursa aspirations, injections, needle-guided uh, procedures. He's also a climate activist with Washington Physicians for Social Responsibility and the Climate and Health Task Force. Today and every day, he is a daily bicycle commuter. I met uh, Dr. Covert Bowles at the Family Medical Medicine, it was the Family Medicine experience in Philadelphia. We got to talking and he agreed to come on our podcast. Chris, how are you? I'm great, James. How about you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm I'm good. I we just spent about an hour my engineer David Young and I discussing, you know, various things about climate crisis, but let's talk about POCUS first. How is POCUS in general helping you as a uh primary care physician? Sure, yeah. I think of a couple of people I just saw yesterday with uh, you know, injuries to knees and shoulders and uh Physical exam and history is still the basis of everything we do, but, uh, you know, it's uh, one of these things where we say, well, x-rays are not going to show these ligaments and tendons. Uh, and let's look on and be able to look at with an ultrasound and say, nope, those ligaments and tendons are all fine. Uh, there's no there's no tear that we can see, so uh, it, it's very reassuring to people. Uh, and... Uh, also, uh, get this funny lump. Is this solid? Is this fluid? Uh, rather than just stick a needle in it first, we can look at it and say, no, it's fluid. Uh, that's a mm -hmm. good thing to be able to drain or, oh, it's solid. Let's not poke a needle in that right away. So it's been very, very helpful. I remember a guy a little while ago uh, with a big swollen ankle and uh, like it might be gout. I'm not sure and couldn't really see a fluid pocket. But with the ultrasound, mm -hmm. I could find a nice fairly small fluid pocket, but was able to get some fluid out and prove that it was gout. So it's been very helpful in a lot of ways. That's the kind of stuff I love to hear about what POCUS does and uh, becomes more of an extension of the physical exam. And you got any more neat cases you recently ran across? Yeah, let's see. Uh, um, those are come some of the most recent ones. Uh, also, let's see, I had one... Uh, where uh, a, a woman had a lump on her foot, and uh, and uh, I thought it might be a typical ganglion cyst, uh, but then looked at it, and no, it was more of a solid thing. I said, well, that's, that's going to be more of a lipoma or just a fibrous thing, and uh, so let's not go poking a needle in that because it's not going to work. There's no fluid in it, so that was really helpful. Uh, commonly, uh, people ongoing uh, shoulder 
uh, pains. We're like, is it a rotator cuff tear? Not sure. You know, we don't think so, but it's been hanging on a while. Gee, do we need a you know fifteen hundred dollar more MRI? No, we can. There, I can see your rotator cuff with the ultrasound right there. It's we can see that it's torn or not. Yeah. So people are really excited to not have to wait and wait and then pay a huge amount for for an MRI. So that's been really our orthopedic surgeons here who first got into it and then taking the ultrasound course down in San Diego, I said, well, we can see all these soft tissue things now. Yeah, that's great. And, um, you know, I'm thinking about uh, something in my news feed the other day, the butterfly folks up there in Boston um, just came out with an MRI that cost uh, the hospital $50,000 as a, as opposed to $1.2 million for one of these <laughs> creatures okay. um, but i think right now it only does uh the neck up that's mm-hmm. but gosh it just keeps getting cheaper and cheaper all these imaging modalities and kudos mm-hmm. to them for bringing yeah. it bringing it to that's us I, I have a you know a butterfly i love it and but the v scan is great any handheld device a sonosite laptop and if you're working somewhere even a big old oven style ultrasound machine is better than i think nothing mm-hmm. um, yeah so, you know, uh, we, we talked a lot, and you were part of that meeting interest group regarding uh, physicians and, and how the climate crisis affects your patient population. Mm-hmm. So uh, I know you're involved in that, and we had some very robust discussions. I thought it was great. Uh, yeah. I, I've been researching in, in that for since the 80s, and I think mm-hmm. growing up on the Gulf Coast and being hammered by Katrina, I'm basically was uh, a climate refugee, which forced me up mm-hmm. here to Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, I've read things about Seattle, and I know you're, uh, you're into this. So let's talk about all this. Sure. So let's talk about uh, how the health professions, what can we do to address the climate crisis? Yeah, so the public trusts us um, very highly among all professions uh, and sectors uh, as our health you know, speaking voice. So we know that the climate crisis is already having a huge impact on people's health, uh, be it from just the bad air quality directly to the heat events to the Zika and other uh, vectors and viruses that are being spread by mosquitoes as it warms. Mm-hmm. I've got climate refugees in my uh, patient panel, uh, folks who burned, got their houses burned down in the California wildfires and come up here, and people whose allergies and asthma or COPD are much worse. Um, even heart attacks uh, we know is worse with all this bad air quality. And for a while last year, Seattle had the worst air quality in the world, even worse mm. than Beijing with all our wildfires. So uh, we know uh, tackling uh, the climate is you know what we need to do to protect people's health right now, and you know, and uh, even more so in the future. So I'm pretty active with our Physicians for Social Responsibility group uh, where we're going to hearings on all these uh, oil and uh, fracked gas uh, terminals. They're trying to expand them and to uh, ship more of that around the world. And we're saying, no, we got to shift as right now off of fossil fuels and, and for you know our health and our kids and, and everybody. So uh, I see it as a, you know, a critical part of my my healthcare uh, you know work is to to not just take care of people who are in front of me you know in the client in the clinic but to you know the whole population and yes. there's a long tradition of medicine in that yes and I, you know just the various uh, health harms that uh, you mentioned a few 
And um, I'm thinking about your patient panel and your population there, and I'm thinking about you know the air pollution related, the the allergy that goes with the pollen, extra pollen production, the, and around the United States, I saw extreme heat. There was something like nine thousand high school athletes that were treated for heat related illnesses. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the ticks and mosquitoes are moving westward and northward. The Lyme and the thing that happens a lot now I've noticed is when you have a huge sheets of rain from a stalled hurricane, whether it's a three or four, you get a lot of the contaminated food and water. Like the, mm-hmm. do you guys yep. see that? I mean, you're a coastal area. Do you see the the bacteria like Salmonella, E. coli, or Vibrio, or any of that algae, the red tide out there? Oh yeah, yeah. We're having our we're just hitting our flood season right now. There's a bunch of roads closed in the eastern part of King County right now from the big floods going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently have seen some people with bad gastroenteritis bugs. Uh, I uh, don't can't recall if that was specifically from flooding, but we know there's a huge increase in all those germs uh, getting into the water supply when there's when there's a flood. So we know the the wetter areas get wetter, and that's where we are. And then the drier areas get drier. So in the eastern part of uh, Washington State, as well as the drier parts of the country, they're having huge droughts. And then the the wetter areas get wetter, and the high hurricanes and all that is just wiping people out. So it's a uh, it's easy to uh, see the, the 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 current effects of the climate crisis. It's not just a future thing. Yeah, it's it's happening. I know. I was just uh, down at Tangier Island in the Chesapeake, and uh, it's totally going underwater now. I mean, it is like. And then the uh, sunny weather flooding, king tides in Miami today in the paper uh, up to the calves. Uh, but you know, another thing that I wonder if you see also is. Uh, the mental health consequences, like these people that are thrown out of their house and, uh, you know, lack of nutrition from the soil depletion, the, the nutrients in the soil. And do you see a lot of mental health um, type issues regard? I guess you do, right? Oh, absolutely. As a family doc, mental health is huge for us. Anxiety, depression, stress, mm-hmm. PTSD, all those things. And I see lots of people are like, they're, I'm getting so stressed out. Just, you know, if you're paying attention you see what's going on. It's uh, it's very stressful, and some people, you know, just are kind of preloaded with lots of stress and you know stuff growing up or family histories or just uh, genetics. Uh, but everyone who's paying attention uh, to see what the climate crisis is is prone to it. So I end up telling a lot of people, well, if it's getting to be that that much for you, you maybe just kind of fast from the news and just turn it off, uh, you know, and be more selective about what you tune into. I say if it if I'm going to do something with the with the news I hear, then I need to pay attention. But I can't really do much about it. Uh, then I'm just got to kind of leave it alone. So with climate, fortunately, all of us can do things from stuff as you know very simple as just you know changing the light bulbs and stuff like that to uh, the bigger impacts we know are the big policy changes because we know about 60% or more of all the climate effects, especially the air quality, is public policy. So things like a carbon tax and, and, and big changes like that or, you know, these Paris Accords and things that we all ought to be supporting, mm-hmm. those make the big difference uh, that, you know, are a huge addition to what people can do individually. You know, I feel like that. I feel like, okay, I'm out there recycling and maybe I bought a uh, electric uh, lawnmower and thinking, that, you know, I'm driving a hybrid and 
would love to have got a Tesla, except they went up when I was in line to get one. They, and, uh, mm-hmm. But uh, I wonder how effective, you know, one guy in one suburb, suburb of Philadelphia is versus sweeping legislation or uh, a policy change like that. Um, sure. Well, we know, you know, each individual, if, you know, hundreds of millions and billions of people over the world make their individual changes, that definitely is important. That definitely helps. Uh, and I would say to add to that, the, the kind of multiplier effect is to tell our legislators that, you know, there's some strong policy things. I mean, really, we need something that's uh, uh, similar to, you know, the Marshall Plan after World War II or actually the mobilization to do to fight World War II. You know, a really large scale change to really tackle this in a way that's going to protect our, us and our kids' health. Uh, fortunately, there's some good bills. There's like the H.R. 763, which is a, a carbon dividend bill that basically uh, puts the makes the pollution uh, pay for tackling climate change, but then actually shifts us to clean energy, but then puts the dividend right back into people's hands. So it's what's called a revenue neutral one. So that's H.R. 763. It's at uh, energyinnovation.org. Mm-hmm. And that's one I'm you know always telling my senators and legislators nationally, let's support this because that's one where it gives back all the money it takes in. So a lot of people can support that. You know, and I think uh, I think people trust their physicians. There's not a lot of, uh, well, there never really has been super trust in a lot of the politicians in this country. Um, it's sort of a tradition as part of being an American, actually. I mean, that's basically how we broke away. And But I feel like uh, physicians can speak to this with much more trust and confidence and people that'd be more buy-in by uh, your average citizen. Do you feel that way? Yeah, absolutely. People, uh, as long as they see that we're uh, in it for people's health and not just for our own wallets, I think people go, wow, these, these folks are dedicated to our health. And as long as we, you know, perceive and, you know, it's consistent that they really are dedicated to our health, mm-hmm. that's a very powerful voice. The nurses, the doctors, all the health professionals, I would say we, if we're not speaking up, we're not fully fulfilling our responsibility. I got a stat here in front of me that's interesting, and uh, it applies to your patient panel there. It says uh, physicians in three medical societies which would be American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, Immunology, Thoracic Society, and National Medical Association, were asked the following question. In which of the following ways, if any, do you think your patients are currently being affected by climate change? So there's about 2,000 respondents on this as the number. And the number one health harm is air pollution-related. About 76% responded yes. And allergy is a close 63 And since you guys are dealing with a lot of, uh, you know, the fires up there from the, you know, the drought and stuff, which you haven't really, the fire season, I think, has been extended to year round as opposed to a couple months out of the year now. It's certainly extended a lot. Uh So what do you think? What do you think about the patients you're seeing? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Allergies and asthma, that's huge. And and that season is extending, exactly. So we're seeing much uh, longer seasons and, and much worse conditions. Again, when uh, you can't, I couldn't even see down the block. I had to put on an N95 mask to bike to work. Oh, wow. Air quality was worse than Beijing and Seattle yeah. from the wildfires uh, in our state. 
then people go, okay, it's not just a, you know, if you could see climate change, well, now you can see it. It's you, you can't even see down the block. It's you can't miss it. So, at least that's helping to convince people that it's not just a future thing, or it's not just you know CO2, which you can't see. When you can see the air, that's a really bad sign. Yeah, and you can see the tide uh, creeping up, especially here on the East Coast with the, mm-hmm. the glacial melt, and then you add the the, the high tide, then you add the um, you know the the apogee or pedigree of the moon or the full moon. Mm-hmm. You know, the, it all adds up, and then you have this sunny weather flooding, which is happening this October again, uh, seasonally yep. in Miami. All right, we could probably name thousands and thousands of climate crisis that we see all over the world, you know, the increase in migration, food shortages. So what essentially is uh, your responsibility and our responsibility as health professionals regarding the climate crisis harming, you know, our patients and stuff? Sure. So I, you know, I'd say every opportunity I can, I'm organizing talks. We give talks around the community at churches and community groups. Uh, when it comes to, you know, uh, proposing good legislation, like I mentioned, like a carbon tax uh, that has a dividend uh, or um, uh, opposing bad ones, like, you know, putting in more fracked gas or more coal or oil terminals uh, when we need to be shifting, you know, rapidly right now off of fossil fuels. I think we have a responsibility to, to speak up. And with some of these national groups, uh, it's easy to keep, you know, in in tune uh, with what's going on. So the Medical Societies for Climate Health is like, I don't know, have a dozen or more of the biggest medical uh, groups in the country, including the family doctors and internists. There's like 500,000 medical professionals uh, represented. So they have, you know, a newsletter that comes out every week Mm -hmm. and say, here's an action to focus on. So I think it's, you know, it's our time to stand up and, you know, it's our responsibility. And that's an effective group for health professionals to join and be a part of regarding climate Mm -hmm. action. Okay. All right. It's called Mm medsocietiesforclimatehealth.org. Wow. I guess you're doing a lot of uh, lung scans. Uh, I don't, for the ultrasound, I don't scan people's lungs. I haven't gotten to that stage of it. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for the long-term smokers, I'm, you know, or, you know, anybody with symptoms, you know, usually to really see it, I'm doing a pulmonary function test and we can pick things up that, you know, are very subtle. But uh, for those smokers, that's where we're doing the CAT scans and hoping not to see anything. But, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's been people, I, you know, the old lung association motto is when, you know, when, when you can't breathe, nothing else matters. That's where this <laughs> You know, I'd say climate change and the climate crisis, you know, I, I do care about the polar bears and the animals. that They're, you know, a part of our world. But the face to me of the climate crisis is the little kid struggling to breathe. And right. as a parent, you know, right. I remember when my son was struggling to breathe. We took a trip to the uh, East Coast and we were in farm country and it was, you know, just a fun trip. But he already had, you know, some asthma from RSV bronchiolitis. Mm-hmm. And we were sitting in his visitor center like all day nebulizing him with albuterol to keep him out of the ER, you know, struggling to breathe. And, you know, that is scary as hell. And, uh, yeah. you know, to see these uh, families, uh, you know, with their kids or uh, older relatives struggling to breathe, I mean, nothing is scarier than gasping for air. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. You know, and I've noticed... And I don't know, is it my age, or I notice, uh, I'm not allergic to anything that I'm aware of, but I know pollen 
it seems like it's increasing. There's no killing frost or, you know, the rain, the drought is extended even here on the East Coast. And uh, I just noticed, wow, I can't clear this cold. I'm still got a runny nose. I never get, you know, and I'm thinking, is it my, is it because I'm aging? Is it uh, increase of pollen in the air? It's how, what do you think about that? Absolutely. There's, we yeah. know there's huge increases in both the amount and the and the amount of time that the pollen's in the air, and uh, the, the the very you know it varies how much you're sensitive to it. But uh, you know if you weren't very sensitive to it, but it just goes up that much, you're going to feel it, and it's just that much more common that things hit you and take longer to go away, and much worse for the people who really have you know either mild or severe allergies or asthma. Oh, man, this is a huge door to open here. And um, I was thinking about some trauma from extreme weather events, you know, from knockdown power lines. I'm sure there's a lot of trauma when you have a significant extreme weather event, things like that. Absolutely. Well, think of Katrina. Yeah, uh, I do. You know, it was terrible. <laughs> I mean, you lived it. Yeah. Uh, I think of so many ways that devastated so many people from just, you know, dying, you know, slowly or immediately to here is one thing, you know, one of the reasons every American needs health insurance that doesn't get interrupted. So how many people lost their jobs and therefore lost their health insurance, maybe when they were right in the middle of cancer treatment or, you know, on home, you know, who knows, uh, some uh, dialysis or something, or in the middle of HIV treatment. And how many days does it take for HIV to mutate if you stop your meds? Just a few days. So these critical, you know, life and death conditions that were interrupted because of the Katrina wiping out the jobs, uh, interrupting their insurance. You know, that's... That's not, that shouldn't happen in America. Yes, and, you know, I, I do know going, uh, driving down Highway 90 along the Gulf, I've noticed that the slabs uh, that are still there because the insurance to build anything is a fortune and they have to be 14 feet above and nobody wants to build a nice, you know, beach home, you know, that looks like uh, something, <laughs> you know, you're on stilts about 20 right. feet. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and I remember driving by right after it and there was a, a representative who had a FEMA trailer on his slab on the beach, you know, nice man of means. And I thought, mm-hmm. that guy's a power person, and he mm-hmm. can't make it happen for himself. What chance mm-hmm. do I have? Exactly. So, uh, yeah, I do remember that. Um, anything else you want to address while we're here? I really enjoyed the uh, the climate uh, talk. And who was the leader of that? I forgot his name, the physician. Um, uh, oh, the there's a bunch, meeting bunch of interest us. group, yeah. Sure. Mona is our kind of head person at the the Med Society's uh, consortium. She's Mm -hmm. fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I just think, you know, think, uh, so think of the most powerful image or story that, you know, know. and for me, you know, it's my son struggling to breathe or, you know, other things that you've heard of or seen or family members, you know, burned out of their houses or, you know, having to bug out of an area like from the hurricane. And what is that powerful thing that, you know, you'll never forget? And then think, you know, what is the most powerful, you know, kind of uh, action or thing you can do? And, you know, just start somewhere and, you know, start somewhere and and, and don't feel, make sure you don't feel alone. So hook up with other groups so you don't, oh, my, it's just me. No, there's, there's you know, hundreds of millions of people working on this right. and we all need to do our part. You know, we can do a little bit. We can uh, take it to the policy level, which I would argue is going to be the real effective change. But mm-hmm. it all is important. I'd say eating less meat, driving less uh, fossil fuel vehicles, 
uh, biking and walking more. All of these things build better community and better health, even if there wasn't a climate crisis. So they're good for us both ways, uh, but they're especially important uh, to confront this climate crisis, which you know we have created. But uh, largely, it's you know the fossil fuel companies that. But even they now acknowledge that it's such a disaster. They're just trying to make all the money they can in the time that they have left. Sure, sure, yeah, that's that's pretty transparent. And uh, you know, I've done. Uh... In addition to POCUS presentations, I've done some climate action presentations, and that's how we started talking. And, uh, uh, but your, your outlook is a lot more hopeful. Mine is a lot more dark. I don't see uh, – I'd like to think that all these things will add up, and maybe there will be a sweep in legislation. But uh, given the history of mankind – well, the quote I use is, the, yeah, I use Winston <laughs> Churchill's quote, you know, he says, you know, Americans can always be counted on to do the right thing after they've tried everything else. <laughs> well, that's a good quote. And we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll end that there. Maybe I'll see you in Chicago. I hope so. Uh, hope so. If you're yeah, going to the conference, yeah, the yep. con- convention in, uh, Chris, it's we really appreciate you taking the time to be here today, and it's really Absolutely. an honor to have you on our podcast. Happy to talk. Your contribution to our society for advanced patient care and climate crisis and uh, policy and efforts is very commendable. Appreciate it. So don't forget, for more POCUS talk, uh, look for us on Twitter at POCUS Academy and Facebook at POCUS Cert Academy. Thank you so much. Okay, great. Thanks very much. All right, Chris. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast, Focus on POCUS. Be sure to tune in with us next week for more interviews with thought leaders that are on the forefront of global point-of-care ultrasound. The thoughts and opinions expressed in this podcast are the views and opinions of the guests and not those of Intellios. This podcast is for information purposes only.